This is Power Athlete Radio. With your hosts, Denny Kaye, Professor Booty, and the Luke Summers. And now, toes forward, hips locked, shoulders set, and retract those scapulas. It's time for some knowledge bombs. Nation, welcome to episode 54 of Power Athlete Radio. <clears throat> we got Playtech on the line, the Power Athlete coaches, John, Luke, and Callie, and Tex. Yo. And we have a special guest, Jeff Gonzalez from Trident Concepts. How you doing, guys? Doing great. What is up? Callie's not here, man. Callie's yeah. not there. I thought I heard her laughing in the background. No, that's just a cackle. We just, you know, the problem is, is Callie's voice is so memorable that you just think you hear it when you don't. I know, <laughs> I know. But we had, uh, this podcast had a lot of people on it, so Callie kind of tapped out a little bit and said, you know what, I, I got some errands to run, and she's running around doing the Badges for Life deal, so she's out there hustling people to get into the contest this weekend, so she's definitely earning her money this week. That's great. We, uh... We exchanged some interesting banter through emails. Um, it sounds like you and Jeff go way back. Um, Jeff, do you mind uh, just kind of just starting the show off, maybe a little bit of how you met John and um, some of the things that you and he have been working on? Sure. Uh, let's see. I think it was Tony who put us together, wasn't it? John? Well, I'm pretty sure it was a friend of ours, a mutual friend, Tony Blower, who uh, introduced the two of us, and I think we got together, and, and, and quickly we realized that there was a lot of things that we had, a lot of shared interest and whatnot, and a lot of quest for knowledge on both our ends, respectively. And so um, I had approached John because I had suffered several injuries over my career and was kind of uh, struggling with some of the fitness goals that I had set for myself, and, um, you know, we kind of started literally at the bottom, I mean, the bottom of the rung, uh, in a sense, and we were really experimenting with a lot of different things. You know, the first thing I told John was like, listen, I can't get any, I can't hurt, get hurt anymore. I've got to recover and got to get back into the game. So I was a little, I was a little reluctant to do things like right out of the gate, and he was very good about some of the stuff that we did. I mean, uh, it was like a pre, pre-course of sorts. And then um, when we finally got into the meat of this program, you know, it just was uh, one of these things where it jived, it worked really well, and, uh, you know, I was constantly sending him updates about, you know, the, the, the lifts or the, the efforts that I was putting in. And, um, you know, we kind of we took a step back, I'm not sure how long ago, and realized, wow, this actually, this, there's, there's substance here that's uh, something that we weren't thinking about or hadn't thought about. What uh, what what was your background? What uh, mm. can you talk a little bit about your former career? Of course, I'm sorry. Uh, so my background comes from naval special warfare. So I spent the better half of my adult life as a SEAL, uh, both on the East Coast and the West Coast, as an operator, as an instructor. So uh, you know, John puts it mildly, you know, a high mileage job of sorts. And you know, I was fairly lucky. Obviously, I, I sustained injuries, but not nearly as bad as some of the guys. And um, 
you know, I'm also 45 years old, so the um, the ability to kind of put that same level of intensity that I did when I was in my 30s obviously is somewhat different. So there was another that was another concern. Um, currently, what we do or what I do is I run a training company that specializes in you know high end premium grade weapons and tactics training. And one of the things that John and I both share is a, you know a love for shooting and uh, we enjoy that kind of um, activity. And we were drawing a lot of corollaries between shooting and the physical requirements to to shoot at peak levels. And I think that's where we kind of started to really go down a, a unique path with this programming was, you know, it was very goal-oriented towards that. Excellent. That sounds like a cool idea. Um, yeah, how, I agree. Uh, how do you... Or how did you two come um, to an agreement, or at least try to blend the two um, disciplines, if you would? Well, I kind of think John has a good, you know, I mean, he's been exposed to a lot of our a lot of our guys, so he has a good working knowledge of of the requirements. And I just specified what I wanted. You know, I told him a lot of guys will approach him and say kind of the same thing, like, "Hey, here's my mission profile." I need to be able to do this, this, and this, and I have this to work with. So for me, you know, I told, you know, we really concentrated on I need to be able to pick something heavy up, I need to be able to carry something heavy, I need to be able to pull myself up or push somebody up. So we kind of isolated what I wanted to do, and then we created the programming around that. You know, it was very fixed on... You know, in, what I like to tell people is, you know, to improve my lethality on the battlefield, basically. And you know, it was very geared towards what what that was what that was going to look like. And you know, we talked a lot about the various movements, and we agreed on uh, we agreed on deadlifts, back squats, overhead presses, and pull ups being like the main kind of focal point for for the movement patterns. Okay. And, like, you're kicking ass in that program, right? I mean, before we went on the air, we were just going over some of your numbers um, in the deadlift. Uh, what What was that again? What, 405 for 5? Yeah, it was. And, you know, what's funny is I can remember when we first started this. I can't rem I remember, like, What our was the goal, Jeff, when we I first that's started? That's what I was trying to remember. Can you remember yeah. what... Yeah, it was. It, you wanted to deadlift 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When, when you came out to Balboa and we put together the program and I kind of presented what we wanted to do, I asked you about what your goals and what you're training for, and you were like, hey, I'd like to be able to deadlift 300 pounds. And I remember the squat was somewhere around like 250. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember you're like, if I can deadlift 300 pounds, I should be able to squat like 225, right? And I was like, oh. Maybe 225, 250, and you're like, man, if I could squat 250, that'd be really good. And if I could deadlift 300, and I remember being like, uh, those are, you know, if that's your goal, man, it's going to be, uh, you know, we're already ahead of the curve a little bit. And then to have you pull 405 for five, and you also squatted, I want to say, was it 310 for like 11 reps? Yes, no, it was 10, 10 reps. Yeah, 10 reps. So Jeff's program was a little interesting. Um, when we design programming, we really look at the individual and the athlete, and really what they, you know, what their previous training history was, you know, what kind of metabolic pathways they developed, and obviously, Jeff being a Navy SEAL is good with volume and used to training with great frequency, and just the, you know, the volume approach was really good. And we really run into two types of athletes: those big monkeys and those little monkeys. 
And Jeff is definitely a big monkey. So, uh, you know, keeping that in mind, we designed a style of training that was, uh, you know, really predicated on just, you know, some basic movement patterns, and we really trained his playing the motion. And, um, you know, put some smart conditioning and really kind of mixed it up. And, you know, and one found a program that he wanted to do so that he was happy to stick with it. And I designed, I think, the first nine weeks, and then I made Jeff put together the next nine weeks, and then I went back and made changes. And we've kind of gone back and forth, and I think we've put together a really solid program. And it's it's been amazing, not only the strength gains that you've made, but also the uh, the mobility and some injuries that we were were major factors day one have really just kind of become uh, you know by the wayside just kind of a moot point. I remember problems with the wrist and overhead squatting and you know some of the dynamic power movements that I know you wanted to stay away from and they got really extremely kettlebell centric. So it's been interesting to see that as you've gotten stronger and the range of motion and the flexibility and all those things have kind of uh, you know grown at once and all of a sudden you've been able to add more movements into the repertoire. Well, absolutely, and and the the injuries definitely were kind of a. I would say what's what was funny was at first I was very skittish about the injuries. And I was very kind of aware of them, and now I'm still aware of them. But um, I think the uh, the support structure has really kind of kicked in to where those injured areas are more balanced now, and so there's there's a there's just a better equilibrium between all those. Obviously, injuries are usually a result of an imbalance of some sort, and so now I have a much greater balance on, on especially when I'm doing any of the uh, heavier lifts. It just seems like everything's working in sync. Do you trip people out when you go? Because I know you travel a ton for your job. I know you train at a lot of different gyms. Does it kind of trip people out a little bit when you walk in and here's this guy who's you know mid-40s, you know, 170 pounds, and you're just fucking crushing these weights? Um, sometimes it does. Like the uh, this last one was kind of cool because I was in a I was in a gym. It was it was vacant. It was just the 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 owner and one of his head coaches that were there, and it was a good time. You know that was where I did the 405. I mean I'd done 405 before, but I'd never done it for that many reps, so that was kind of a cool thing. And you know I talked to the guy a little bit because sometimes some gyms can be a little hinky about coming and doing your own programming, so I have to kind of like kind of like just slowly introduce it. Hey, listen, I'm doing a special program with a good friend of mine, John Wellborn, and drop the name a little bit. And a lot of times that kind of eases the tension, so to speak. And then when they see the work and they see the um, they see kind of what we're doing, they're kind of like, and what's interesting is to have guys, solid athletes, I mean, guys that are like, you know, game material coming up and asking you, hey, what are you doing? How, where, you know, because they, there's a couple of guys at the gym that I work out here locally, so shout out to the Woodward Gym guys where, you know, they were really interested to see the programming scheme because they saw the results. I mean, they were, they were watching the results over that period of time. Well, what was cool was really kind of seeing where Jeff was coming from and what he was doing. Uh, we needed a way to kind of gauge it, and a lot of stuff we were working up to rep maxes, and then we started kind of just picking percentages and going for max reps, and I kind of took a nod from some of the Windler stuff and really used that so that we could have some inherent periodization. And what was interesting was the way the program was set up is it allowed Jeff to, you know, I mean, we always joke with our gambler uh, our gambler concept of our training where it's like, you know, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. And I know there's been certain days where you've walked in there and been like, dude, I just didn't have it, but you still go in there and you, you get the work done. It might not be a PR day. But then there's other days you walk in and you're like, hey, you start warming up and all of a sudden you're going broke and, you know, you're able to squeeze out a couple extra reps. So I know when we kind of backed it off and allowed for you to do a little more volume and start kind of driving some interesting adaptation, 
and we started really hitting the stuff. I mean, probably the biggest one that I was, uh, like, it's always interesting when you write programming or you start working with athletes and different people, uh, you know, you have this kind of base idea of what you want to do. I mean, almost like an architect designing a house, like here's, you know, here are the walls, here's the plumbing, here's the, you know, the mechanical contracting, here's the electrical. And as you start putting things together and the person starts doing the program, it starts kind of materializing and you see really things come up and more importantly, you see things come up that you would have never expected. I was really super conscious of Jeff's injuries and then all of a sudden he's like, hey, I, I saw some people doing this and I gave it a shot and my wrist wasn't hurting me. And I remember that was a huge deal was just, you know, uh, you know, my wrist is super damaged. I can't do a lot of these movements. And I remember we early in the program, we did a ton of isometric holds. Remember we were doing the isometric holds yes. on, the, on the rings and the, mm -hmm. the handstand isometric holds and the L sets. And I think just really getting strong with the isometric hold created more stability in that joint and the, the, the supporting joints around it. And then it was easier to progress. I remember, you remember uh, the handstand push-ups were like a big one. Yeah. with the isometric holds. And then all of a sudden now, I mean, you can bang those things out like nothing. Well, that, that's true. I mean, what's interesting was, the and that's the other thing too, is the progression. You know, um, I think the progressions were key. You know, in the beginning, we did a lot of work with the sandbags. And then, then we kind of progressed up to actual barbells and, and, uh, and some other dumbbell movements. And the same thing with the handstand stuff. I was really like the, doing the handstand holds were challenging for sure for the wrist, but but then all of a sudden it was like we 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 kind of like skipped them in a, pro, a programming cycle or something, and then all of a sudden we come back and like you said, I just kind of was like, hmm, wonder how it's going to feel. You know, let's see what it's like. And I was very conscious of okay, you know, how's it feeling? And uh, as soon as I you know got down there and started doing them, I was I. Totally was surprised on my own. I mean, I was like, holy shit, you know, just knocked them out. I think it was a, it was a rep scheme of 21-15-9, and, um, you know, I did it all unbroken, and I was really surprised. I was like, you, I mean, don't get me wrong, it wasn't easy, but at the same time, you know, I was so close at the very end that I was just like, okay, there's no way I'm going to go unbroken with only two more reps to go. You know, <laughs> I'll figure out how to do this. It, it, was, it was super interesting in that... Uh, you know, Jeff really comes from this kind of, uh, you know, long swim, kind of long run kind of mentality a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of the extreme. And I know you got super into the kettlebells just because some of the limitations with the with the barbell movements. And I remember coming back and really trying to put together some stuff that really not only was able to highlight some stuff, but also, like he always talks about, it increases lethality on the field. And, you know, the other big one, too, and what we really tested was, you know, uh, can a higher level of fitness and making Jeff stronger and better and just rehabbing his injuries, can that pay dividends for his performance in terms of shooting? And I, I remember we had a, a bunch of theories that, you know, you take a, a, you know, an individual who is highly trained in very, very good shape and you put him into Jeff's training environment for the pistol and the rifle, and that person is able to increase their proficiency with the pistol and rifle at a greater rate of somebody that's out of shape. So, I mean, there's that idea of GPP and, uh, you know, a higher level of fitness is going to translate into better performance in terms of, you know, using the, the pistol and the rifle, you know, uh, in that kind of training uh, mode. Uh, the one thing which I always really loved, and the first time Jeff, uh, Jeff and I actually met through Tony Blower and went out and had a shooting day before we ever talked about any training, and the cool part was is the mechanics that Jeff was teaching for his shooting were identical to the mechanics we teach at the CrossFit Football Seminar. 
you know, the way, you know, the, the foot positioning, the shoulders to drop and retract. And I remember at one point uh, after we had, you know, we were out in somewhere out in Riverside at this place shooting. We'd been out there about eight hours. It was about 100 degrees that day. And towards the end of the uh, the training, I look over and Jeff was pretty, you know, obviously had elevated and kind of rotated his shoulders and was kind of round. And I asked him about it. And he's like, no, 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 I need to be dropped and retracted. And it was uh, at that point, I think we both saw a light going on where, you know, we started kind of talking about these, uh, you know, a lot of the the mechanics and more importantly the body position that I've used for the CrossFit football power athlete and also in my own training. And here are these same, uh, you know, positions that Jeff's teaching. And he's like, you know, as you shoot, you drop and retract and you kind of, you know, brace the the pistol from the lats and, you know, just kind of a lot of these um, uh, different positions that we've seen. So it was super cool to really, uh, you know, and this has happened periodically when uh, I've run into other coaches that are at the top of their game. I mean, obviously guys like Jeff and, you know, when uh, I remember the first time I got a chance to uh, coach and work with Carl Paoli, the same stuff that we teach at the seminar was the exact same stuff that Carl was teaching and same with Jeff. So it's always really cool to find kindred spirits or more importantly people that are at such a high level that are, doing things that are completely in line with what you do because you know, when it really goes back, we have this idea of this kind of uh, blueprint of perfect human movement. And, you know, just seeing what Jeff does really reinforces what uh, what we do. So uh, I think we have some questions from our listeners, Luke. Well, yeah, let, me take that, let me just, I want to kind of touch on something that John said and, and actually take it a step further because, <clears throat> you know, the increase of the shooting proficiency is... And and now having watched over the last year, not only my own performance, but having had the uh, the luxury of several elite athletes coming through our program, I, I will tell you straight up that you know we had the chance to work with Ben and Luke, and right away you saw how easy it was to get them at that higher level. But uh, you know the other thing too that I have found is when we have students that struggle and they're like, hey, I just can't get above this one you know plateau, if you will. And you know every 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 industry, every movement, every everything has a plateau where you're scratching and clawing to just get to the next plateau. You get the big leaps at first, and that's where a lot of these shooters that we come into contact. We we attract we attract like a higher level of skilled shooters at times, but they get to that point, and the one you know like I struggle to kind of help them get over that, and the one con- continuous fiber that ran through them all was that their fitness was kind of lacking. And so we just started telling people straight up, listen, if you wanted to improve your shooting, you need to improve your fitness. And it was such a no-brainer for me because, I mean, you look at the background, you look at the community that I come from, I mean, it's hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And as soon as I, and once I moved into the industry, I started dealing with people outside of my community, you know, it was kind of, whoa, different, you know, oh, this is strange. And now we've kind of come full circle, gone back to our roots, which is you know promoting the, the the peak performance from both fitness and shooting to create the you know the ultimate if you will, and and it's working. I mean those guys are able to move past those plateaus. I mean it doesn't happen in our class. They have they go back and several months later they're able to make you know break through those plateaus. But they broke through them not because they were putting more rounds downrange, but because they they recognized that they didn't have that linkage between all the muscle chains. That was that would help them and support them. And, you know, I mean, the other thing too is the physical tasks of shooting is is. I mean, it's not that physically demanding, but what what hurts people is the mental fatigue, and you know, trying to stay focused, which 
you know, anytime you're dealing with heavy weights, you cannot drift off and go, you know, start thinking about, you know, whatever. I mean, you have to be so focused on everything that you're doing, and that mental conditioning, if you will, is a big thing that should transfer over to the shooting, but it doesn't for a lot of people because they just haven't been exposed to that type of environment where that mental conditioning has to be so razor sharp. Well, you know, most people aren't repetitive athletes, and that's kind of a uh, just a hallmark of any top tier athlete is that this idea of like repetition. Um, you know, to this day, it's uh, you know, there's movements whether it's in the weight room, on the field, playing football, whatever it is that I've done thousands, hundreds of thousands of times in slow motion, mentally thought about it, and this idea that you know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast. That, uh, really comes out of it, and I think uh, you can take somebody that is a repetitive, you know, repetitive athlete. And you know, I know for me, like if I can watch somebody do it, I can mimic it. Um, we always joke at the CrossFit football seminar that, you know, uh, my entire career, the reason why I was I was able to do my job as long is because that I was a you know kind of an autistic monkey in a lot of ways, and that I can focus on something. If I can watch somebody do it, whether it be on film or in person, I can mimic that. And you know, and then just need repetition reps. And I think where people really break down, and whether it be you know uh, the difference between somebody being a great football player, even at our seminars, is that people get fried on being able or on forcing somebody to do the same thing over and over again, and really the attention to detail. And I, you know, I, I you know I, I know we've talked about it before on the show, but I mean I, I love to shoot. It's one of my favorite things to do, and I don't get to do it enough. And when you know, I get to go and do different training classes or get put in different environments. Uh, I always felt like I was a little bit behind because uh, behind I didn't have enough trigger time, and that's when I started doing dry firing. And I, you know, two or three nights a week for 30 minutes before I go to bed, I usually do all my dry firing stuff in the mirror and really work on, you know, being able to, to draw that pistol out of the holster and, you know, trigger management and all the little things that we've worked on. And I know that while I still got to suck Luke and the guys to go to the range more often, it pays huge dividends. And, you know, hopefully uh, uh, we're going to be in here in Austin in June. Hopefully Jeff will be in town. We can go down and train with him a little bit. But every time I've got a chance to train with Jeff, it's always been really, really enlightening. And more importantly, uh, there's nothing more that I love than falling short and seeing things of improvement and being like, you got to get this better, man. You know, like that's like that's one of my favorite things in the world is something to work on. So it's been um, it's been super exciting. But uh, it's it, it's just become such a, a, a you know an interesting, interesting thing, and we see it across the football seminar. I mean, people show up, and, you know, the better fitness they're in, the better shape they're in, the more they've done the programming, the more they're invested, the, the more they get out of it. Somebody shows up, and they're like, oh, I'm not in very good shape. I can't do any of these things. You know, their ability, their capacity to learn is almost diminished. So, I mean, there's definitely some correlation between being in better shape and being able to suck more out of it. I couldn't agree with you more, man. Little known fact about John's dry firing practice, it's in a mirror naked. <laughs> and he videotapes it and shows all of us. Yeah, <laughs> with a just naked pistol belt on. You watch me that, do all the mag changes. Study, What's that? That's the film that you have to study? Yeah, well, we're getting, we have a whole YouTube series we're going to be posting, but John doesn't know about that yet. Yeah, the only awkward thing is my wife is holding the camera. <laughs> and she's laughing the whole time. Yeah, and she's, uh, and she's actually got a horrified look on her face. I, uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know you're married to the right women or right woman where she comes in the bathroom and you're, you're basically sitting there dry firing with your pistol and drawing it from a holster at like 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night, and my wife walks in. 
doesn't even say anything about it, just walks over, starts brushing her teeth and walks out, doesn't even say a word, doesn't look at me, doesn't comment on it, just shuts the door and goes to sleep like like almost like I'm a mirror. I don't think of myself, anybody else in America's life would be like, what the fuck are you doing? And my wife just kind of like, you know, and then doing like all the high and low ready stuff for the rifle. I came in one day and she's like, oh, God. She's like, ah. she's, you know, my wife's very, you know, I'm, I'm a very lucky man, so. Uh, we do. We got we got a little listener question on the on the books here. Uh, it's from our buddy Russ Green. Hey guys, I was wondering if Jeff can uh, uh, Jeff can compare his on the job performance on this program with other guys who train in a more traditional endurance and body weight focused style. Uh, what impact does that have in real life? Well, you know, I mean, training training. I think. You know, for us, we did a lot. Like in my in my generation, we did a lot of body weight stuff. We did a lot of body weight stuff, and we started to get into a lot of guys. I mean, we were encouraged to get in the weight room and do a lot of stuff in the weight room, and it made sense. Um, but now, for me, what I recognize is, and I think John can even talk about this in greater detail, is the um, the, the 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 external load is so taxing to your body, so taxing to the overall system that you, you can achieve certain things with body weight, but you can achieve so much more with that external load and the stress that it puts on, you know, the whole central nervous system. So when I look at it from a point of view with regards to, hey, what's going to improve my shooting the most, it, it's going to be external loads. It, I mean, we do still do a lot of body weight work, but anytime I'm doing pull-ups, I'm doing them with extra weight. I'm doing them either in, in body armor or I'm doing them uh, with that, you know, just with external weight hanging. And part of that is because I'm never naked. Whenever I'm fighting, I'm never naked. I've got weight on. Whether it be, uh, I don't know. I mean, you yeah, know. we saw some of your videos. Yeah, yeah, we saw a couple <laughs> of videos on YouTube. But, you know, you okay, well, answer, fighting in a band song, but you know, you were kind of naked. Answering the door late at night with my tomahawk. I was like, yeah. But um, so you know, I always have load. I always have weight. You know, forty to you know thirty to fifty pounds at times, and so I have to be able to be so nimble and agile with that weight as if I didn't wear it. And that's what that was one of the things that John and I talked about was, it's not about what I am when I'm walking around like in the office with it when I don't have anything on. It's what can I do when I have that load that I operate in. That's the key. That's why we always went heavier and heavier and heavier because the, my theory was that. That if I can do it without this external, you know, or if I can do these movements, uh, you know, normally, then I should have an improved performance when I have to do them all kitted up. And I would definitely say the kit's a lot lighter now than it used to be. I mean, it's oh, just, wow. you know, when we were at SHOT Show, just some of the plates and the plate carriers. And, oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like I, I know even my gear from two years ago, uh, my body armor compared to what it is now with, the you know, the standalones. And it's just, it's amazing to see how much lighter stuff's got. But, you know what, it's, uh, you know, we saw the same thing in football because in the off season we all, you know, we never trained in our gear. But then all of a sudden you go out to that first day of pads and you're running around with, you know, helmet and shoulder pads and just this extra, uh, you know, stuff, whether it be for ventilation or what, you just kind of get, you know, smoked. And I know when 
I was fortunate to go down and um, uh, do a bunch of training with the Naval Special Warfare guys. Uh, it was really the first time that those guys had been in their full gear for a while, and it was always uh, pretty funny at the end of the day to see how smoked the backs were and how beat up the guys were. And it took them, you know, four or five days to really get ready and get really back into the fight. Whereas, um, you know, we do a lot of training with our body armor on and with, you know, uh, weighted vests. I mean, I I walk a couple day, a uh, couple mornings a week with. Uh, 50 pound weighted vest with my dog and you know go for like a three or four mile walk and it's always amazing to see the pace change from where from walking with no vest and just adding that 50 pounds on all of a sudden it's like adds two three four minutes per mile so it, you know unfortunately it's it's kind of a necessary evil to really get yourself ready for it but it's um you know it, it just comes down to something that's pretty basic and whether or not people want to realize it or not a stronger individual is harder to kill than a weaker individual God, and, uh, I love that uh, saying. That's like my yeah. favorite saying nowadays. Yeah, it's it's a uh, classic Mark Ripto. Uh, stronger yeah. people are harder to kill and, and rip your fellow Texans. More useful in general. In yeah, general. yeah, yeah. What would he say? That's uh, stronger people are harder to kill and generally more useful. I think is uh, was risky. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, so, so Jeff, Jeff, oh, did you could do you are you in uh, are you in touch with people who are still I guess in that old men, school mentality of body weight endurance approach kind of the traditional training because um, I mean th those that training as well as I think is psychologically taxing but uh, I mean I I totally agree that it's not the same as being under a heavy barbell it's just about kind of enduring the suck for longer rather than let's say taking uh, 15 seconds to hit. Uh, a 5RM on a heavy, you know, heavy 5RM on with, on your back. But do, I mean, do, are people in your field starting to appreciate what you have come to appreciate, or do you think there's still some hard-nosed people? Uh, I think just that are old well, first of all, first of all, people like when you say my field, I'm gonna refer, I'm gonna assume you're talking about the industry and not my, my not the NSW community. In the industry, fitness is such a it's not a very important thing. I mean, there is a small, small percentage where it is, but the majority don't recognize fitness and what it can, and, and overall what it does for your, for everything, not just for okay. shooting. Well, it's because they're not selling fitness. Right, exactly. They're, they're, they're selling not. guns and and, exactly. and and more fucking gear. I mean, if it's but, like, oh, instead of taking your your you know your butt to the gym and getting in better shape, let's just like change the trigger up a little bit, you know? Well, that's the thing too. Is like we got into like I. It, it, this is a great analogy. You guys will totally dig this. So in our industry, there's every there's a new widget coming out like every day. And the way that I associate, the way I talk to people is like, listen, when you see these new widgets coming out, think first for a second about how that widget would compare to like a fat loss widget. You know, all of these 30-day fat loss programs that you see on late night TV, on the infomercials, whatever they are, whether it be some device or some diet or some pill or powder, whatever. You know, look at those, and we all know that you're not going to achieve any of your goals in those kinds of in that kind of framework. Well, the same thing applies. You, you know, if you want to, if you want weight loss, if weight loss is your goal, it's not. You know, it's not going to be accomplished in a 30-day period. It's it's a it's a long, you know it's a big project. And so the same thing with us on the shooting. And when I see guys that are going for these these widgets that are supposed to improve their shooting. You know, it's no substitute for the hard work of learning the fundamentals and, and and then employing those fundamentals. And we have a saying, you know, the secret of winning is simple: master the fundamentals and execute them faster than the bad guy. And where that that last part is the key: faster than the bad guy. 
And I feel like with this elevate with your elevated fitness and the ability to really recruit those muscles and link everything together, I mean, there's just a rock solid chain that just does really impressive things. And I don't see that. That's where I see the the break is that people don't recognize. You know, they're going. Some of them are going in the opposite direction. I mean, completely opposite. They're going against biomechanics. And I'm just I'm like, oh my god, somebody somebody please just pinch me, wake me up from this bad dream. So the frustrating thing is trying to help people to recognize that you have God-given talents, you need to exploit them, and that might mean some hard work in the gym. And as far as the reference with endurance, oh, shit, man, I'm not running anywhere anymore. So, I mean, I, you know, I mean, if I'm going to run, I have to put it in perspective. My run is maybe max 400 meters. If I literally had to think about any of the times that I had to run in a combat situation, I would say maybe the furthest I ever did that was like maybe 800 meters, maybe, you know? So I'm training for my mission. I've, I've, I mean, I've been doing this job long enough to where I know exactly what my mission is, and I can, I've, we have trained, we have created that in that programming. But it's not just my mission, it's pretty much what everybody else's mission would be. That's in this uh, You know, the, well, what always kind of makes me laugh a little bit with, uh, with Jeff's um, uh, Triton classes is there's people on the internet that will knock it a little bit for saying it's too many rounds. They shoot too much. Uh, that was like, I remember reading some stuff. I remember when I first met Jeff, I got on and, you know, like Googled some of his classes and what it was, and there was people that were actually complaining that the days were too long and it was too many uh, too many rounds. That was a knock. And I remember it's kind of like, um, you know, when you come across a football seminar, we started eight, we get done at four or five. And we've had people be like, it was too long a day. They didn't give us enough chance to eat. It was too much work. Uh, you know, and I'm like, dude, you guys paid the money. Like, I'm giving you everything I have. Like, it, you know, I'd much rather get that comment and that complaint than be like, we didn't do enough. This was a waste of time. I wish we had done more. And I just always remember when I, I read that, I was like, man, that's Jeff's our guy. I mean, the fact that people are complaining about shooting rounds downrange and then, uh, uh, and then I just kind of always chuckle back to, you know, going to Mid-South and, you know, in what, in five days shot like 13,000 rounds. And I was like, man, these guys are complaining about shooting 800. To wait till they got to shoot a few thousand in a day. It's funny. I mean, it's sad in some respects because I think that – I think a lot of people mean well, but I don't think they get it. You know, I think that's the problem is that a lot of people just really don't get it. And once people do get it, I mean, it's like like a light switch just went off in them because then they they figured it out and you know it's it's frustrating because there is a um, reluctance I think it's funny because the industry touts itself as being you know uh, he man you know we're gonna get out there blah 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 but yet you ask them to to work hard in a in a single training day and put 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 an effort in because that's the thing I mean at the end of the day it's all about the reps that we're doing. And people get all bent out of shape. You're right, John. Everybody was bitching about the round count. And I'm like, hey, at what point did I tell you to just hose the target? You know, every round that you fire in our class is a willfully placed round on the target. And if it's not, it's a fail. It's a failed rep in a sense. And, you know, when we put that level – and I, I love that about the CrossFit football seminar where – the emphasis was on, you know, the first thing that you guys talked about was safety as it relates to the athlete, you know, because you can't you can't hurt the athlete. You have to that's that that goes the opposite direction of what you're trying to accomplish. And I really appreciated that because that put the emphasis on form and on correct technique. 
and I'm being mindful of what you're doing, not just going through the motions, but being present as you're doing it. And that was so directly related to exactly how we train and what we train, you know, that I was I was all over that like a hobo on ham sandwich. Well, I mean, it's uh, like it's uh, it's always an interesting thing when people start talking about repetition and movement, and uh, you know, the uh, somebody got it wrong when they said you know, per or uh, practice makes perfect. It's actually perfect practice makes perfect. That mm -hmm. if there's you know, you're just going to be you know, and and the one thing when I really started working with the Naval Special Warfare guys, uh, I just realized that. You know, nobody ever rises to the occasion. I remember one of the, uh, the chiefs made a good comment to me once. He said, you know, uh, nobody is ever somebody on the battlefield that they weren't in the training. And I was like, well, what do you mean on that? They're like, if a guy's going to fucking quit or a guy doesn't want to put in hard work, uh, that guy that's not willing to do what he needs to do to be the best, the minute that all of a sudden my bullets go fly and we're on the battlefield, that guy's not all of a sudden going to flip a switch and turn into fucking Rambo and blow you away. He's like... The guy that's you know in training, puts in the hours, can run and do everything. That guy, all of a sudden, once we get out there, you know, that's the guy you expect. Nobody ever surprises me. And he's like, you know, you know, the really the naval special warfare motto has been, you know, nobody ever rises to the case. You just follow the level of your training. And our deal for increasing margin of error or a decreasing margin of error and making sure that everything you do has you know perfection in it, that you understand exactly what we need to do, you understand the fundamentals, and you have rehearsed and practiced those fundamentals to the point where they're second nature so that all of a sudden once live bullets start happening and you get into a stressful situation you know you don't have to fall that far and I mean when, when he told me that it, it, it resonated with me because I saw the exact same thing playing football if a guy wasn't able to do it in practice and a guy wasn't able you know wasn't willing to put in the hours work hard couldn't do it uh, when it was walked through all of a sudden, we get out on the field, and there's a hundred thousand people, and the chance, you know, the fans are cheering, and you got some all pro, you know, all world dude making a hundred million dollars a year. He's standing in front of you. You're not all of a sudden going to rise to the occasion. That guy's all of a sudden not going to have some out of body experience and become somebody that he wasn't that that you didn't know. So I mean, nobody ever surprised me, and I was. It's always cool when you meet people from completely different walks of life and do different jobs that say the exact same thing and you realize that a performance-based job, a performance-based style of training, there's these really kind of common threads and really when I, I got a chance to meet Jeff and really see what he was doing, there was so much carryover and there was so much synergy between what we were doing and what he was doing that it was just kind of a, you know, it was, it was awesome and it was really great to meet another friend and really see somebody that was at the top of their game that was doing it the way it needs to be done and saying all the right things and I mean, I, um, I've been fortunate in that most of the shooting stuff that I've done has either been, uh, you know, with the mill guys we've worked with or with Jeff. So I don't really, I've never had a chance to really see what's out there. But based on just some of the stuff, it just doesn't seem that, you know, fitness is really, you know, somebody rather, you know, instead of spending that, you know, 150 bucks to go join a gym, they'd rather spend, you know, $1,000 on, on uh, you know, $500 Glock or something. So, so true. So true. A thousand bucks would be <laughs> would be better spent going to your local CrossFit and fucking signing up for some essentials, you know. Well, that's and that's what I tell people too, you know. And there's there's a reluctance. It's because we see it too. There's a reluctance, and and that's where, that's the direction that we point people as kind of like a default entry, kind of like a gateway, if you will. Is is find a uh, find a local CrossFit gym that has a good reputation, good coaching. Get involved in the essentials, learn the basic movements, and you know establish a good solid base. 
And then from there, I think uh, the ability to really delve. I mean, you know, we kicked around, we toyed. I think we were half joking about taking the programming that we did, and um, and you know, tweaking it a little bit and then making it a, a public format for folks to sort of follow. I wasn't um, kidding about that. <laughs> I, I I think it's fucking home run. I mean, uh, you know, we've been working on those cards. And I, yeah. I think a uh, you know an, an ebook um, you know I know we're we're trying to finish up some of the training stuff but even a lot of the nutrition protocols and a lot of the things we've been doing I think there really hasn't been a you know kind of starter manual for people that are you know like potential Triton concept customers and and trainees that are coming that are like Jeff I need to get better at this and you know and you, you see it at your local CrossFit gym I mean I've owned a, a you know a, a CrossFit gym since '09. And for years, we've had people walk in the door, and they start training, and about a month into their training, after they're getting their dicks kicked in the dirt every day, they're always like, man, is there anything I can do to make this stuff a little easier? But like, yeah, well, let's talk about, you know, are you sleeping, are you recovering, are you eating? Like, what are you doing outside of this place that's helping you maximize your gains here? And I think for the same deal with Jeff, where, you know, he has people come, and he comes to his initial deal, and, you know, Jeff's first thing when you go to his, his uh, seminar is he has a, uh, a test. You know, you, you shoot the quality, you shoot the test, and then you train the entire day uh, through different drills to, you know, expose your weaknesses, find out what your limiting factors are and how to fix them, and then gives you enough rounds to be able to, to build on that. And then at the end of the day, you shoot the test again. Did you get better? And if you didn't get better and you didn't pass, there's no, like, pat on the back, don't worry, you're fine. No, you fucking failed. And that's awesome. And I think, like, the question, I'm sure Jeff's got this for every class he's had. He's had somebody fail. They've been like, well, how do I pass this stuff? How do I get better? What do I need to do? Do I need to take personals? Do I need to do this? And it would be nice to be able to hand them the the, uh, the ebook or whatever it is and be like, hey, you need to get your butt in line. You need to get yourself, you know, you need to get fit. You need to increase your flexibility, your strength, and more importantly, uh, start training to create this, you know, kinesthetic awareness that allows you to use this extension called the, you know, the pistol, the rifle for your good mechanics. And here's a, you know, here's a roadmap. This is the program that I did that, you know, really helped me. And this is how we kind of, you know, gateway you in. And, you know, some people might not, you know, be up to go join a gym or feel comfortable doing it. They might want to do it in their garage. I mean, we have people all the time that come to us to seminars that train in their garage, that follow CrossFit football, power athlete from their garage, and this is their, you know, this is where they do They don't want to go to a commercial gym, and you know what? There's got to be a resource for those people. And then there's also people that go to a CrossFit gym that are in a, uh, you know, programmed environment that would still love to see this stuff and be like, hey, you know, this is what I'm doing, but hey, this is what Jeff does, and this is the track that I'm on. So, I mean, we got some stuff to finish up, but I definitely, Jeff, I wasn't kidding. I think that's a great idea. Well, I do too, and I, I'm all over that. I think I think that's probably one of the greatest contributions that we can have for for the community at large. Is you know, I mean, it's it's right in line with both what you and I have always thought, which is you know, to, fitness is going to it may not be the uh, the supreme answer, but it is such a great answer for so many people that if if you know if we reach a certain point where everybody all of a sudden is now fit and we really have to like think outside the box. Well, that's great. That'd be an awesome problem to have. Um, so I agree with you, and I would, I, I'm excited to see it because I do think, I, I get, you know, people have, people have been wondering, uh, and I've gotten a lot of email exchanges or text messages or even face-to-face -face meetings where people are asking me, what am I doing? Uh, what, what does it look like? Is it like this? Is it like that? And it's difficult to try to explain to them what it is 
So I think it would be great to be able to just, like you said, just basically hand them, you know, and metaphorically the ebook, so that they can uh, take it and run with it. And it'd be great to see it uh, acknowledged and and uh, as far as like Jim's being okay, letting folks kind of come in there and, and play with his programming um, either on their own time or or however. So I, I think it would be great. I'm I'm excited about it. I think uh, I think folks are going to really dig it. Yeah, I mean, we've had a pretty good, I, I think CrossFit Football is a pretty good name, and people know who I am, and I, uh, like you said, man, you show up to a gym, and you're like, hey, this is the program I'm doing, and, um, you know, this is who, who I've been working with, and I, I don't think you've really run into anybody that looked at it that thought, no, I'm not going to let you do this in my gym, and, right. you know, we've had, you know, people that have followed the CrossFit Football program for many years that have called us and been like, hey, I, I called this local gym and asked if I could do the CrossFit Football program, and the guy said, absolutely not, and... Instead of being like, well, okay, I won't do the program, they literally just hit up Rogue or got on Craigslist and bought weights and put it in their garage to do the program. Yeah. And I always think like that's probably the biggest compliment that I can get from uh, uh, from people where they're like, you know what, your program was important to me. I wanted to do it, so I made it work. Absolutely. We, you know, we we get hit up. I mean, all the time for people that are in. I mean, I, um, if you look on the football site today, there was a guy Bird who sent us a picture of him squatting, and he's in the middle of Afghanistan. And there's, you know, he's got some weights, and you know, we we uh, we get a ton of traffic from guys that are in harm's way that are really doing this program, and you know, it's allowed them to be better soldiers. And I really think that practical application has uh, been the best part of this program. So, um, I, yeah, I I think it's a no-brainer, and more importantly, it's something that's so needed. I mean, if you if you do a little Google searching for, like, tactical training, I mean, you get military athlete, you get some stuff, but a lot of that is really, you know, geared towards kind of the soldier. And what we're talking about is, like, how do you get that guy who's, you know, 45 years old, who's out of shape, he's got a couple kids that wants to get more proficient with the shooting and actually feel like he's doing something. And I think uh, there's no greater measure for your fitness than being able to go out and do something physical and use the pistol or rifle. Absolutely. And, you know, I think, too, one of the things that you had mentioned was, you know, for the younger the, the younger class of athletes or shooters, you know, trying to get them into the gym is probably not a, a far, you know, it's not like a, not a difficult pitch to hit, so to speak. But the middle-aged athletes or middle-aged shooters that are maybe, like you said, a little bit more out of shape and there there might be some reluctance or resistance to try to get in and, and start working. I think the, the, the biggest obstacle to for a lot of people is just, you know, owning up to the fact that, okay, I'm not where I want to be uh, and, and being okay with that and then finding a program that allows them to make inroads and, and, and make and, you know, to kind of see themselves um, moving forward. And that's where I think this program can be the most beneficial is, uh, in fact, when we were, uh, when I was over at that gym doing those heavy deadlifts, the owner wanted to take some pictures and videos because they're they're doing a um, kind of like a, a, a Patriot kind of event where they are trying to bring in uh, veterans that are, you know, older veterans, retirees, if you will, and get them involved. And, you know, he was very complimentary in the sense that, hey, you know, you're, you're, you know, kind of middle-aged and, and you're doing, uh, this is, this is what you're capable of doing. So that's a great incentive and motivation for some of these other guys that are in that same age bracket to try to get up and get out there and do that sort of thing. And, and I mean, that was a great, that was obviously a great testament to the programming, to your work, um, being able to get in there and do that. 
And if it helps other people get involved and, and take their fitness a little bit more seriously, not, not just because it's going to improve their shooting, but because in general they just want to be fitter, then I think it's a I think it's a home run. Cool. Luke, we got a minute. We got another question. Yeah, we got a couple in here. Uh, we'll start with uh, Peter's question. He says, uh, and I, I'm not sure who it's geared for. I guess both of you guys can pop off. Uh, how would you break up strength training and endurance training if you only have an hour a day to train? Uh, would you do both at the same time or cycle strength training, then move on to endurance training? I mean, it's relatively vague. Uh, you know, there's well, a lot of questions. We let's just assume this person's generally unfit. Uh, well, the idea becomes, um, I think, what he's getting into is like actually this idea of periodization. That hey, should I do a strength phase and then an endurance phase? And I think if anything, which we've been fighting for years about, is that you don't develop things mutually exclusive. That everything kind of works within synergy, uh, and the strength training works better the better shape you're in. Uh, if you notice on, you know, for power athlete and CrossFit football and the training that we do is kind of a, you know, we definitely tap into those first two energy systems and we use, you know, but we do tap into that third and we kind of train energy systems, not mutually exclusively, but as a complete unit, just like we don't, hey, today we're going to train arms. I mean, Jeff, in any training day, have I ever said, hey, you know what, today you're going to go in and train arms and calves? No. Right. We don't train like that. We don't train body parts because your body works as this kind of cohesive. I mean, every day we go in, we do, you know, we obviously vary different planes of motion, different primal movements, pushes and pulls, uh, but we're always training the body as a full, complete, uh, you know, m you know, mechanism. And I would actually not recommend that you do just a strength period, you know, just strength, just endurance, and periodize your program. I mean, I'm a more fan of some block periodization where we start rotating different movements and pulling in and changing time domains and kind of doing a more mixed mode, mixed time domain style of training. So um, if I was going to recommend how you should do it, I think you should lift heavy weights and get your ass in shape. <laughs> well, you know, I'll take, I'll answer, I'll throw in my two cents worth too because we did come across this during the programming. And I, you know, I was like, okay, endurance, get, you know, I don't have to do that long ass run anymore, or the the long ass ruck marches, or swims, or anything like that. So endurance wasn't quite as important to me at this point. And so when we created the the the, the pyramid of you know strength with metcons, I loved how it kind of you know it worked up to metcons then it worked back down to strength which was the perfect thing as far as exposure was concerned because when we were doing metcons they were still heavy it wasn't yeah. like we were just running for a run you know it was all based off of moving weight and heavy weight and then when we finished that block and we went into kind of like a more uh, more metcon kind of format you know i found that because we had put a heavy emphasis on strength I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't going to break any land speed barriers, you know, kind of things. But at the same time, I felt very comfortable with where my endurance was just from all the strength work that we had been doing. Now, if you need to go out and compete in, like, ultra athlete, uh, you know, ultra endurance. But, but, Jeff, I mean, you also come from a background that's super endurance based. I mean, that's what was interesting. It's such a cool property for me when we, we started rapping about this. Is I'm like, dude, here's this guy that's obviously a big monkey that's obviously comes from this endurance background because, you know, I mean, uh, pre Pre 9/11, the the mentality for naval special warfare was what like long swim, long run, big bench, 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then it be kind of came this kind of, uh, you know, tactical athlete. And then I think in two th- in the mid, you know, I think like later 2000s, that's when we really started getting hit up. And these guys that were, you know, uh, from Dan Mech and different names, Special Warfare, were like, hey, uh, their job was more akin to what I did in the NFL than it was to this kind of long swim, long bike mentality. Mm-hmm. And those guys were... You know, when I looked at their training, looked at their mission, looked at the loads they were carrying and what they had to do, uh, you know, we started training those guys more like, you know, an outside linebacker, you know, rush end, you know, that type of kind of mentality. And I think that style of training really paid dividends. It allowed guys to be bigger, stronger, more explosive. And then, you know, they obviously had that background behind them. I mean, you come out of buds and you can't run long distance, I'd be surprised. <laughs> That's so, true. You know, I mean, you, you got to run three miles every day just to just to for chow. So I mean, you're running nine miles a day just to eat. I'm pretty sure you're okay with some distance. So, uh, you know, and I know we did a ton of strength stuff. And a big part of the reason why we were so strength heavy in the beginning was we had a lot of imbalances. We, um, you know, Jeff really struggled with some of his you know primal movements. And the best way to do it was kind of strengthen the machine and kind of get everything done. The cool part was when all of a sudden he hit me up and was like, you know, I'd like to do a little bit more Metcon stuff. I want to try and change up the conditioning. It was more of a test to see if what we had done paid dividends, and I think you went out, you know, kicked in the doors, and then after you got done with that, you were like, yeah, I'd like to get back to doing some of the strength stuff, and it was interesting how easy it was to switch back into it, and then all of a sudden the numbers kind of blew up, so I, I wrote an article and talked to me, Johnny, a couple of years ago called, Do I Need to Be in Shape, and a guy um, asked me a question, hey, uh, do I need to be in shape to do this stuff? Is there a benefit for me being in better condition? I went through and kind of wrote a, you know, an SNC-based article based on this idea that yeah, you got to be in shape. Um, you know, this idea that you know the better shape you are, the faster you can recover, the more training you can do, the more workouts. I mean, if you're in such poor physical shape that you can only lift weights once every seven to ten days, how much work are we really going to get done? If you're so physically sore from just one day of training that you can't come in the next day and, and do anything of value. We're only going to progress at a certain rate, and we've seen that athletes that are in better physical shape get stronger at a faster interval, and are able to, you know, just basically do more and be better at it. So, um, you know, really balancing Jeff's programming with what he wants and what I want was a, a really cool exercise. And then, you know, forcing him to kind of program, and it's always fun to have people program for themselves because they actually program the things they love to do. That yeah. is like, hey, just send me what you want to do, and then I go back and fucking change it because I can see what they like. <laughs> and it's you know, and, and I, I never told you that, but I was like, hey, I want you to write some stuff, and he would send it to me, and then I would change it because it was super easy to be like, okay, this is what he wants to do, this is what he likes, this is his wheelhouse, and I'm gonna fucking change it. <laughs> and uh, that's you know, part of this exercise is allowing him to find strengths, and then you know, realizing like. I need him to work on his weaknesses, but never at the expense of losing who he is. And that's really what I've seen with the programming stuff, is allow people to be who they are and you know maximize their strengths, but by, well, pulling up their weaknesses as well. So, do we got any more questions? Yeah, we have one more. Uh, okay. I, got, I got a question, too, if uh, I can jump in, just for Jeff. Uh, I know Luke and I took a trip down to Coronado, and we talked with uh, one of the strength and conditioning coaches down there, and he said his biggest problem that he had in his job was kind of dealing with the personalities. So I know fundamentals, limiting factors, dead bugs, these things aren't sexy, but based off your past experience and now you're like learning the value in these things, how would you approach kind of those young go-hards about putting dead bugs, putting mobility and stability into their training now? Even though they may not see the value, 
how would you approach those guys? That's a good one, man. That's tough because you know we we see that you know you're at that at that age group. You know when you're at that the 20 to 30 age group, uh, you know it's it's invincibility of sorts and and taking the extra time to try to program in that stability mobility. I'm a believer in it now. Um, and you know, I used to very. I mean, I was horrible with uh, mobility. I mean, I could. I mean, it was good for maybe somebody like me, but it wasn't good for somebody that wanted to do what I wanted to do. So I think the best way to get across to them is to is to incentivize it to the point where, hey, okay, so you're able to do such and such for max. That's awesome, but you're limiting. You're, you're limiting your success because you don't have the full range of motion or you don't have that, that the, the mobility and the stabilization to push that heavy stuff. That Because that's going to tap into that alpha male, oh, you mean I can be stronger, I can lift more, I can move more, I can do that? You know, so that's probably the best way to approach it is you're not going to reach all of them, but you don't have to. You only have to reach a handful who buy into it. And when they buy into it and then guys around them see their gains and see their, their performance kind of you know, move up a notch or two, there's going to be this natural competitiveness that's going to say, oh, fuck that. I'm, gonna, I'm not letting this guy get faster or stronger than me. You know? And then you start to see how it all comes. You know, that's how it works is that you know, you, you're, only, you're not going to be able to change a culture culturally. You've got to change the culture individually and that is the best way to go about it. Nice. Thanks. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, you got to get the salty old chiefs on board. The, uh, the idea that there's some salty old barnacle that's in charge of all these young guys, you got to get that guy on because uh, for those young guys, you kind of live and die with what that old guy says. So I know for a lot of work that we've done with Naval Special Warfare was going in and working with the chiefs and working with those guys and really getting them on with the program. And then uh, when talking with them, being like, well, hey, if I need it, the young guys need it, and they don't need to wait till they're 40 years old to figure out they need this stuff. I mean, I was recently out in Hawaii and, you know, working with a lot of their, uh, their older guys. Uh, you know, it was interesting to kind of see it full circle where, hey, I was this young go-hard, and this is what I did, and then, you know, obviously the job fucked me up. And now I'm trying to, you know, fix injuries, surgeries, battle back for the rehab and putting that stuff together. And then, you know, the, it always comes to the question where, like, if I had done this stuff, would I have these problems? And I'd be like, well, the job that you did is difficult, but I'd like to say that it would be not as severe as what you're dealing with now. And their comment is like, well, we need to get the young guys doing it. And I'm like, well, that's up to you. They're, they're going to do exactly what you tell them to do. If you make it yeah. a priority, those guys will make it a priority because the last thing they want to do is have a, you know their master chief mad at them or you know or their platoon leader or whatever. So those guys kind of live or die by those older guys. So I think getting I, those I was, guys really in was was the big buy-in. I, well, I'll also say this, and you kind of hit on it. It's like um, I was very lucky, very fortunate. Uh, I was very athletic, younger. So and I I kind of rode on my own tip you know, coattails to some extent. You know, I didn't have to work nearly as hard as some of these other guys because I was already naturally fast or I was already, you know, agile enough to where I can move my body weight very well. But I will say this. I wish that I had a program like this or something similar back then because to see my gains now at my age would have been sick to see them when I was younger. Yeah. So we got one more yeah. one more question um, from Kyle, and he's asking, 
he does CrossFit football with his squad a few days a week, usually a Tuesday-Thursday split or a Monday-Wednesday-Friday split, depending on the week. Uh, is it still useful to follow the program split up on the weeks, especially our Tuesday-Thursday week in the gym? And uh, what would be an optimal pro uh, optimal suggestion? Or op what would what's optimal programming if we can't follow strict? Um, and just a little more about him. He's a reformed powerlifter and uh, follows daily, just looking to get the most bang for the buck with his squat. So he follows the program three days a week. How would he break it so up? So yeah, if he can't, I think his question is, am I? It's a binary approach. If I don't do four days a week, is it no gains? No. Right. And, uh, you know, he's kind of answered his own question here in the sense that you, if you have two days to train, then you train for two days and you follow the program yeah. uh, and try to get a push-pull, right? Yeah. Well, the, um, there's another – I mean, what we laugh about is I have over, like, 185 or 200 Talk to Me Johnnies that address almost every single one of these questions, but the mere fact that – the search function is kind of difficult for people to, to kind of use. There's actually one I wrote for Luke. It was called Jaeger Bombs in Poundtown, mm -hmm. where I wrote this two-day-week program in there that I follow uh, when I'm on the road or run into stuff. Like, I was um, didn't get to train Friday because I was on a plane all day to New York. We taught all day Saturday, Sunday. And I got uh, I left at 10.30 on, Saturday, on Sunday night from New York and got home at, like, 3-something, uh, to LAX and got home, uh, and you know, obviously, when you go to bed at three and your kids wake you up at five forty-five, uh, you are a zombie the entire day. And then between what we've been doing the last couple days, so what I'll do today is I'll go in and I'm gonna squat. I'm gonna do some form of pressing. I'm gonna do some vertical pulls, and probably on Friday I'm gonna probably go in and maybe pull some deadlifts, and I'm gonna do a bunch of mobility work. I'm probably gonna do some rows and and um, you know really break it up. So. Uh, I would love to be in a perfect environment where I had seven days a week of training and I could, you know, every meal was, you know, packaged in a Tupperware container and I got to drink exactly a gallon of water and take my, you know, get my uh, pre-workout meal 30 minutes before I train and, you know, 90 minutes within my post-workout window, I get to consume exactly, um, you know, six ounces of animal-based protein, uh, you know, 125 grams of, uh, of, of sweet potatoes and... You know something, but unfortunately, uh, I, you know, with the kids' life, wife, huh. building a gym, I mean, all all the things that we do, it, things just kind of go outside. Go outside. So the moral of the story is the program is written as a really a four day, day a week program across the football. I write that fifth day on Saturdays to almost save people from themselves because I know if I don't write something that they are going to just go out and fucking go off the reservation. So it's really a five-day-a-week program, but we have four days of strength training. In that four days, we have two squats, usually uh, one's an intensity, one's a volume, and uh, we have one heavy pull, which would obviously be either a rack pull and some form of, uh, you know, dynamics or uh, a heavier, slower pull, and then we have some form of dynamic pulling, so the program's broken up into push and pulls. Uh, if I was to write a three-day-a-week program, I would probably squat one day, press. I'd probably do a heavy deadlift and then some form of dynamic pulling, and then that third day I'd come back and squat and bench. Um, I'd do some vertical pulls, some horizontal pulls, uh, a ton of um, you know trunk work, a bunch of low back, and you know uh, based on you know what your goals are, I'd probably definitely train some biceps and some triceps. Whether it, you know you want to do some hammer curls or you know whatever you want to do with some close grips or whatever you want. 
um, and just write a you know program. And we've written three day a week programs. We've also had people that have done two day a week programs. And have they been able to make the gains? No, they have not been able to make the gains at the same rate. Just for the mere fact that they don't have as many training hours. That's and like just, saying. Just to, I want to just hammer a point home there. Okay. Uh, could you write? Could could the smartest person in the world write a two day a week program? That is as effective as a four-day-a-week program. No. Right. So you're getting two days a week in. Is yeah. not. There's no magic program. Yeah. There's it's no kind of like, um, you know, that, that's like saying, hey, Jeff, uh, is somebody who shoots once a year going to be as good as somebody that shoots every single day? And you're like, well, well probably not. Probably yeah. not. But but I will say this. I will say this. This is this is the problem that I ran into because of all the travel that I do. And this was something that I had overcome early on in our programming, which was I wasn't going to have perfect conditions. I wasn't going to have that four-week kind of scenario. So I had to try to change my filter to a certain extent. And I, I, I instead of being so micro, I macroed out, and I looked at the big program, which is what we were talking about, you know, it wasn't, you know, it's broken down in a nine-week block, but rather than look at it weeks, we just looked at it as blocks. And rather than look at it as days, we looked at it as as, as events. Because yeah. when I can take that, just changing it up like that. So if we had, you know, if we had in the nine-week program, we were going to do four workouts, that's four times nine is 36, you, you all of a sudden, you're just looking, i got to do 36 workouts as fast as I can over the next Power ten months or less, you know. And when you look at it that way, okay, so you miss four days. It's not the end of the world, you know. You can get that, you can regain that momentum. And I think that was the key for me was looking at it from that perspective. That yeah, okay, it's it's like you were saying. Every day you just want to move some dirt. And if it's not every day, then you know, as 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 often as you can, move the dirt. Well, we have a, one of our clients is a guy out of Denver, a guy named Bill Bradley, and Bill has not missed a training day. I mean, literally, he's trained every single day since 2008. So every day has been at minimum at least, like, to constitute a workout at least at minimum at least, like, a mile walk. So even on, like, his deathbed when he's been sick, he's gone out and walked at least one mile and yeah. has not missed a training day, like, seven days a week, 365 day, uh, days a year since 08. And, uh, you know, part of, like, some of his... Um, uh, you know, he, you know, some of his, you know, this is obviously a commitment he made, but some of his gains have been negated from overtraining. So now I got him, uh, you know, we've been playing with some different recovery methods and more importantly, some, some monitoring stuff and trying to, you know, give him a matrix to, you know, for, you know, when to go, when to not. And we looked at some of the variable heart rate, uh, you know, from Joel Jameson just to try to give him some way to kind of gauge it, and when you have a guy like that, he's going to train every day. You almost have to put something in to allow him to train every day. Uh, for Jeff, we looked at it and said, you know what, you have four workouts a week. Uh, you have seven days, and Jeff's like, hey, I know I'm traveling this weekend, so I'm going to have to train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, or I might travel, and I might get home on Tuesday, so I'm going to have to go Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you know, I know there's days you've even had to do a double just to try to, to catch up, and you know, for me, I always have that recovery day where I, I try to walk and, you know, we've, you know, always kind of get something to done. I remember Kelly Starrett told me that, um, you know, his minimum workout was like kettlebell swings and rows. He would do like, you know, four rounds of 500 meter road, 15 kettlebell swings. And that was like his like on the road, like I can't get anything done. I don't have any time. I can take like seven minutes and at least get this workout done. And it's, uh, it's, it relieves a lot of stress. It's kind of like I, I do the same thing with eating. 
where instead of you know, looking at each day of eating as one day, we look at it like over the course of a week, like, hey, I know I need to consume this many calories, this many protein, and this is what my macros look over an entire week. So if I'm low one day, I can come back and eat a little bit more the next day, or if I overeat one day, I can come back and eat a little less. And instead of like, oh my God, this day's over, I totally fucked it up, and the stress that becomes. So it's um. So what? Let's if you were to make a, uh, let's say, put into place a a prescription, so to speak, with CrossFitFootball.com workouts for uh, for Kyle, would you have him follow a week behind? And if he knows he's going to get two days, maybe split, just follow the Monday-Tuesday approach or just get your squat push-pull in. And then if you're going to have a the, – the next week's going to be a three-day split, like um, a Monday-Tuesday, Monday, Thursday approach? Yeah, I, I... – uh, yeah, I mean, it's always easier to kind of follow a week behind and then be able to look at the program and kind of fit where you need. I think as long as you're getting two squats and one pull in, and, yeah. you know, then I think you're pretty good. I mean, yeah. uh, I know we really cut out the uh, bench pressing and the floor pressing from Jeff just from his wrist, and he does a, a ton of overhead pressing and a lot of, you know, push-ups and, you know, deficit push-ups, and we do a lot of stuff. And I know he's made some great gains, but that was merely something that we were working on injury. So I think I would just, I, I would just, as long as I could get my squats in, as long as I can get my pulls and my pushes, I would really look at it from basic primal movements, um, you know, and then just do a, a, a ton of our warm up and, and cool or a warm up and iso stability work. So, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, you know, uh, I really wish I could go back in 18 years old and. With, you know, the only uh, the only stress in my life is if going out and drinking two nights is going to adversely affect my training opposed from drinking one night. We, uh, on, on our form, this kid is like 18 years old, and he uh, he asked me a question about uh, if I thought that drinking alcohol was going to adversely affect his performance. I'm like, well, how much are we talking about here? Like, you talking about like every day? He's like, no, I go out and have drinks like one night a week. Is that going to hurt me? And I was like, you're 18, so my official stance is you shouldn't be drinking alcohol. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but if somebody over the age of 21 had this question, I would tell you that all things in moderation, and at the end of the day, like, uh, if there's alcohol being drank, there's probably going to be girls around that are drinking it that are going to be uh, open to a little more suggestion, and you should probably go out and have a couple drinks, be social, and don't be the weird guy who's in bed at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night because you got to train tomorrow. I mean, go out, have a few drinks, laugh, have a good time, uh, meet some girls, and you're 18 years old. Like... <laughs> Like when I was 18 years old, uh, like we didn't. I'm pretty sure I didn't sleep till I was like 26. And now, like, my daughters haven't really. Well, the other night we got a full night's sleep, but for the last two weeks they've been waking us up in the middle of the night. So I forgot how bad it was. So <laughs> that's funny. That's all we got on our end. Right on. So. Jeff, is there anything you want to uh, a pup or push out to the world or to the Power Athlete Nation? You know, I tell you what. Uh, I I just a couple. Thoughts. One, you mentioned the conditioning training cards, and I will say that uh, for those that don't know what that is, we started a training program for on the shooting side that uses just a regular playing deck of cards that has each, you know, each it's broken down into suits. So obviously, you have four suits. We break it down into speed, marksmanship, baselines, and dry fire. And the pistol rifle has been doing really good. So then we started. Uh, kind of formulating a strategy for the conditioning side. So now we're merging those two, what have always been individual skills, shooting, fitness, 
together and really excited about how those cards are going to come out. Um, you know, we're just the rifles just came out, so we got to give the rifles some uh, some uh, growth time. And then as soon as that's done, then the conditioning cards will come out. And I think I think folks within the the uh, Power Athlete Nation will will definitely get a get a kick out of those. Cool. And then, you, and then you have some classes coming up. Anything, uh, if, if people want to get a hold of you, tritonconcepts.com if they want to uh, Absolutely. set up one of their classes. it's uh, we, we highly recommend it. We've done it, and uh, we're definitely a fan and a believer in what you teach. Absolutely. Tritonconcepts.com is a good way to get in touch with us. They can go up on Facebook, find us, find a bunch of stuff on Facebook as well, um, either me personally or the company itself. Uh, but, yeah, that and uh, we're... Uh, we're looking pretty good this year, actually. We've got a lot of programs, so we're not at the halfway mark yet, and I'm really happy with uh, what we've done so far this year. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks for ha- thanks for coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll be uh, I'll, I'll be talking to you. Absolutely, I'll look forward to it, and definitely looking forward to when you're here in uh, in June. Yep. We'll see you then. Steve, right, text. You guys got anything? No. Listen, Jeff is awesome, man. Thank yeah. you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks a lot. You bet, man. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. All right. See you soon. See you. All right, guys. Talk to you.